G'day everyone, Mike here and welcome back to the Beyond Billables podcast for 2024. On the show today, I've got a great interview with returning guest, James Dabashi. Now, James has recently started his own law firm and we spoke about that. We spoke about the challenges of starting a firm, the reasons he decided to and what the future holds, his big goals for his firm and his life and being able to balance both things. I hope you enjoyed the show. James, welcome back to Beyond Billables podcast. Mike, thanks so much for having me. It's been a really easy journey. Setting <laughs> up this morning, and so delightful that we've <laughs> we well, made it through the admin stage to the actual chat. You're my third. You're my first ever guest. To come back for a third time, mate. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Back. And all I, the other guests can can come and find me. They can come eat my <laughs> dust if they'd like. So I'm very happy to brag about that, Michael. Del- delighted to be back. Looking forward to the chat, mate. I really wanted to have it again because a lot's changed. I think the last time we actually recorded a podcast was in the middle of COVID of all things yeah. and, and lockdowns. And you've actually recently started your own law, which I wanted to start on, mate. So mm. what, you know, what prompted starting Gravelman? Yes. Thanks, Mike. It's been sort of in the back of my head for about six or seven years as a like, will I, won't I? And if I say it's been in the back of my head for six or seven years, there was sort of a soft decision of like, mm, yeah, maybe not. And, and let's see how, how this goes. The spot I was at when we last spoke is a great sort of small national firm called Chamberlain's. We got to a point there where Chamberlain's practice was kind of going to be more sort of consumer um, and sort of a broad offering to lots of clients, you know, fantastic estate planning offerings, insolvency offerings, building and construction, that sort of thing broad. Whereas I'm quite a specialized practice and we sort of got to a kind of square peg round hole sort of position. And so we're very much parting as friends. You know, I refer to matter to Chamberlain's yesterday, you, you know, a lot of texts flying around and a lot of, lot of lovely kind things being said. So it's very much a parting as friends type position. But what happens when you part as friends from a role like that is you go, yeah, well, okay, do I like, what's the next phase? And so the decision-making process for me was a number of different things of like, yeah, okay, do I try to become uh, employed as some senior lawyer in a big firm? Do I go to the bar, think about becoming a barrister? Look, as we've spoken about off mic before, Mike, I have a partner in life who is not the most financially unsuccessful person going around. And so there's a house husband sort of question that was sort of raised to say, oh, well, is that how the future might look? And what I resolved was to kind of scratch this itch to try to do it myself. And so we sort of got to the position where I founded Gravman on the basis that it would do solely the expert work that I did. It would do it at a charge out rate commensurate with that sort of expertise. Um, it would do it in a way that works around sort of me and my family. So I'm, I'm the parent of a number of kids and a number of them go to school and they have other sorts of needs as well that we need to help with. And so while I'm not a huge fan of the term lifestyle business. <laughs> like there's a, there's a degree to which Graverman is designed to allow me to bring to the market, my sort of really niche weirdo expertise and only that niche weirdo expertise really in a way that works as well as we can for, for our family. So it's sort of family on one hand and then sort of professional goals and professional strategies on the other hand. It's been a funny process so far, 
but here we are, Mike. Delighted to chat about it. Appreciate you asking. It's been a it's been a funny one, mate. Um, I am a fan of lifestyle business. I'll tell you <laughs> because I've been through plenty in my life, and I'm really glad that <laughs> I have a business that actually is something that I want to keep doing and can fit in my my life. So. <laughs> To that, I saw you posted up early on. You're great on social media. We'll get to that. But you posted up your goals. And, yes. and really importantly, one of the goals was around your family and and the the link to that. So I guess the question I have to start with, and you, yeah. you're very fresh into this, mate, which, which I understand. <laughs> but yeah. how is that like balance going? Oh, reasonably well. So the way I gauge it is school runs and kids' footy teams coached and meals cooked and meals cleaned up after, right? So your really basic data points of curricular activities for kids, co-curricular activities for kids, and then, you know, food, clothes, medicine <laughs> type basics. They all seem to be going okay so far. The touch footy team I'm coaching our eldest or I'm, I'm the assistant coach of isn't going so well, although our eldest <laughs> has scored a couple of tries. She's pretty quick off the mark, but sort of hands are going to be an issue we'll sort of address in time. So look, I think she's two years away from hitting her, hitting, hitting her peak as a touch footy player. Cricket coaching is not going quite as, quite as well as I'd thought. My gifts in that area are very limited, but look, without, without being lighthearted or too lighthearted about it, I, I've been so pleasantly surprised to find not only that I'm getting the family time I'd hoped for, but that on the really cold calculated commercial side of things where I've got paying clients who've got deadlines, I'm able to have quite open chats of like, look, you're not going to be hearing from me between 3 PM and 8 PM any weekday sort of ever. Yeah. And you won't be hearing from me between 7 AM and 9 AM any weekday really ever. And so if you need me, it's going to be strange out of hours type stuff. And that, and that may evolve in years to come or it may not, but I'm really enjoying firstly the experience as a, as a parent and as a partner in, in, in life, in domestic life. And then secondly, it's been a very fulfilling experience as a professional being able to be quite open about here's like, here's where you can get me, here's how you can find me and finding that because I've niched down into a very specific client base and I'm doing very specialist work, I'm valued for my specialist that for, for my specialty, meaning that if people want me they're prepared to take me on my terms, which is a very nice feeling indeed. So, so far, my 12 or 15 weeks in, <laughs> it's going okay. So We'll see how talk- we feel in 12 or 15 months or 12 or 15 years, but uh, yeah. as far, things are looking good. So the first, starting up, I guess, it's a question lots of people have who mm. are sitting back and maybe thinking, oh, I'd like to do that, but, you know, X, Y, and Z. I guess, what was the initial struggles? Yeah. When you made the decision, all right, I'm going out on my own. What did it look like the next 48 hours, mate? I'm not a Donald Rumsfeld fan, but the more time passes, the <laughs> more value I find in the Rumsfeldian known unknowns, unknown unknowns. And so from more or less the moment I resolved, well, sorry, the initial resolution to start Graverman, I did it the really easy way of saying, oh, look, let's just see. And so it wasn't like, turn on the afterburners. I'm going to start a law firm and take on the world. It was like, okay, let's do a little bit of Googling. Let's take out a pen and pad. Yeah. Okay. I've got to send a few things to the law society. Yeah. Okay. I've got to take out an insurance policy, probably open a couple of bank accounts, register a trademark, that sort of thing. Um, I found all that fairly irritating 
<laughs> in that it's a sort of, it's a to-do list of about 100, 150 things where, yeah, that take between five minutes and five hours. And one seems to lead to the next where you go, oh yeah, I've got to incorporate a company in order to operate this thing. And you go, oh, hang on, shit, I, I don't have the asset requirement to become a director. So I've got to send that thing, that, that stuff through. So, oh, hang on, I don't have the trust deed in order to incorporate the trust that's going to operate the, for the da, 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 da. And so every to-do list has an additional to-do list. PO boxes have been the bane of my existence. <laughs> I've been paying for practice management software for two months that I'm still yet to use because I keep missing the onboarding meetings you're meant to have with these software providers. So I don't want to say I'm speaking from authority of how to start a law firm, but I suppose the suggestion I'd make to anyone thinking about it is that it's easier to sort of tweak a moving vehicle than it is to kind of sit in the dark and say, I won't start until it's perfect. Yeah. Because if I was going to say, I won't start until it's perfect. Firstly, I'd probably never start. And secondly, I don't think you really know what your ideal practicing environment is until the wheels are in motion. And, just, and that'll just, change, mate, too. Ah, <laughs> as you say, Mike, can I, can, I, can I bore you with a trademark story that we might get yeah. to that's been a funny moving part of all this? So one of the things you do, and, and, and I think one of the things I found exciting about starting thing was, oh, great, I can control how this thing projects itself into the market. And so the name Graverman is a name that I thought of some, some, some years ago. I'm really happy with the name, really proud of the name. And for some reason, at the time of starting, and I was like, let's do little G, little G for Graverman. It's going to be a lowercase G. And Mike, you're the branding expert. I can't tell you why, but sometimes some law firms go lowercase and that's about the end of the inquiry, right? Sometimes uppercase, sometimes lowercase. And I thought, oh, well, we're going to do lowercase. Yeah. <laughs> and so for uh, the top right corners of letters on, on the letterhead and for social media, little profile pictures and that sort of thing, I thought, oh, well, we'll just do the lowercase G, right? We'll just extract that and put it in the corner. Now, what was interesting was that about two weeks or like 10 or 15 days into trading, I received a letter from a law firm based in Canberra who alleged that my use of the lowercase g was, you know, passing off. It was somehow likely to become trademark infringement of a trademark they had yet to register. And, and look, all these sorts of um, look, baseless nonsense and, and, and none of it reflected well on that law firm, but I'm, I'm not here to take shots at that law firm. I'm here to sort of raise it as a potential new business owner issue because my first response was crush, kill, destroy. That's to say, <laughs> right, I know how to run these. I don't have a lot of work on. Like, I'm afraid you've like bumped into someone with a lot of spare time at just the wrong time of your firm's life. I'm going to, I'm going to come and get you. And here's how I'm going to do it. There's going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things coming for you. And, you know, as I started to put my chess pieces together and, and, and think about how I was going to run this. Of course, you're lucky enough to get one or two clients through the door and you sort of get a bit distracted by client work. And then when you think again about this issue, you're like, oh, well, hang on. How important is it for me to go to war about a lowercase G versus a capital G? And, and the, the view I came to was, look, you, you can keep your lowercase G if you want. I'll take the big G. That's fine. And so that firm's off doing whatever they want to do, the best of luck to them or worst of luck to them or whatever, like who cares? But for me, it was quite an instructive lesson of trying to allocate your energy in the most efficient way possible, because yeah. every single task you've got available to you can take a million hours if you want, 
And so the question is, well, what's the next task you're going to do? And I found that trademark issue a real sort of insight into the way you can almost allow yourself to be distracted or to sort of become too granular on certain issues, sometimes to the detriment of your tiny baby new business. Yeah, it's at that particular issue is so stressful for me because obviously <laughs> we, you know, create brands and we do logos and branding. Your point is a hundred percent, you know, you going to keep coming up against situations that you need to make a call. Is it worth my time? Is it worth X, Y, and Z? So, and most of the time it's not, which is funny as a lawyer, <laughs> because, you know, a lot of your business is having those, those battles. So. I guess, what's the pitch for Gravman? Yeah, the pitch is we, there's a huge range of numbers of areas of practice. We are bad at almost every single area and we're pretty okay at a fairly specialized area. That is what I sometimes call corporate disputes or co-owners disputes. So you got a couple of directors in a company, a couple of shareholders in a company, a couple of beneficiaries of a trust or a trustee of a trust, or you got some partners in business, if they're not getting along, then because we're so focused in our area of practice and because we're so up to date on the law in our area, in Australia, we're able to say, hey, look, stacks of great other firms out there to go get your will done. That's awesome. Stacks of great other firms out there to go and sell your house or conduct your piece of insurance litigation or go do your debt recovery work. That's awesome. Stacks of good firms. We just do this. And there's a real liberty in that because it means that a lot of the referrals I get from other lawyers and a lot of my clients are lawyers who are themselves in partnership disputes, which is a, a sort of complex area um, in and of itself. But it means those lawyers, if they work at big firm A, can feel comfortable referring a matter to me, knowing that I'm not going to then next day try to you know, poach their, you know, lender client or whatever, because all yeah. I'm interested in is just this very, very niche little area of co-owners disputes. And so the pitch for Graverman is we don't do very much, but what we do, we do in a highly specialized way. And, and we do it in a way consistent with our values. Some of them are ones we've shared before. Some of the ones I've sort of shared online and, and, and Mike, some of the ones you and I have discussed before about how we show up online and that sort of thing. And so the pitch for Graveman is co-owners disputes done by a, someone who I, I think can genuinely hold themselves out to be an expert in the area yeah, and, and not other areas, right? Yeah. Um, See, niching and specialization, like I talk about it from a viewpoint of brand and marketing and mm. how to be remembered, right? Mm. But for actual, you know, professionals, mm. like the driving force most of the time, and it is for me, it's just to be good. <laughs> like, like yep. I want to keep getting better and I want to be the best at what I do. Like that, yep. you know, uh, clearly there's a long way to go, but you want to keep getting better. Right. Yep. And so the more narrow that focus is, the better I can be. And, and then that, and if you're a continuous learner, which a lot of us, then, you know, you can actually within that vertical be really, really focused and it's more personally satisfying as well as better for your business. And it also means that the marketing point solves itself yeah. because you're not selling snake oil. I'm, I'm not out here saying, Hey, of course I'll do any kind of legal work that comes in through the door. M most inquiries I get, I refer off to other firms with, with thanks. And 
that's valuable in one way because it means that I don't have to say, oh yeah, send me your multinational you know, software licensing agreement. I'll handle that. Great. <laughs> you know, on one view of the world, that's work I've done in the past. It's work I may do in the future. It's work I technically could do now. But for the moment, the view I'm taking is to say, it's of more value for me to be able to say to my client base, I am very confident in the offering we have in this space. And without blinking or without putting on your know, salesman voice or whatever, I can just say, look, yes, we've got the skills to do a very good job in this matter if you want to use us. You and that sort of becomes in the, the eye, mate, And yeah. be able to honestly say, I can help you. I'm confident that I'm the best person for this job, whatever mm. that is. And yep. with, within all of the constraints of our egos and everything like yep. that, but it's true. If you can't show up like that, I don't want the stress of that. Like yep. the other side of it is, you know, okay. You're then Googling how you do you draft a will or something like that straight well, away. You know all those stories, right? But I'm not mm. doing branding for hairdressers. Like, <laughs> or like it's not happening, right? Mm. So, because I couldn't stand there and say, I'm a hundred percent confident. Like we could design something nice, but I couldn't say, I can give you the strategy that's going to work for your hairdressing salon. Like couldn't do it. Um, And so- you, you know, sometimes you think you need to take all the work as well. And this is the other bit about starting out. You've started out with a clear focus and things come through, right? Like you end up doing stuff, mates, for friends, for other things, because you want to help out, right? And, and you know, that, that stuff will come through. But I think the lessons you've clearly learned from a lot of investment of your time and effort in branding and marketing and, and also probably aligning with, you know, what you're comfortable doing has meant that you've started with a real focus that a lot of people don't have. And I thought, you know, what you wouldn't have been able to start this law firm like you have, if you hadn't invested like five years of work really in your personal brand. So you know, speak to that, like what yes. value have, have you got out of that? Uh, immense. So each of the matters Graverman is working on at the moment and look for Graverman to have a full plate, it's not much, right? It's about six or seven matters and you, you know, we're now turning people away. Our books are sort of full for the moment. Um, and so to get to that full sort of position and <laughs> You know, I don't know when this is going to air. Of course, all these things could settle tomorrow. And then I go, oh, no, we've got no clients anymore. So, Next week or the week uh, after, mate. We'll yeah, get it out yeah, fast. Exactly. <laughs> so, so look, all this stuff can change overnight. But um, each each of the things that have come through the door that we've done work on for sort of clients, that whether matters are closed or things where it's ongoing or things, things where it's gearing up for court, they are all based on either direct personal relationships with referrers. So their lawyers will refer me work because they either know me directly through my expertise or because they know me broadly through my kind of online education sort of material content that I publish out there. And so there's that sort of existing relationship element. And the other element of the personal branding that sort of works is the personality element. So a lot of the referrals that come in that I actually turn away because it's not my area come from people who I either have an existing relationship with online or have, or have seen me online and said, look, look, that's, that's a person we're interested in working with. And so if we 
run the hypothetical of starting Graverman without a personal brand, I, I think the first thing you do on that day, I don't actually know, but you probably try to get on a few panels to try to do some panel work for very low hourly rates to get some money coming in through the door. And then I think you sort of join a lot of, uh, sort of networking type communities, and then you sort of phone around a lot of friends and you probably frankly increase your online presence and you almost start doing all the things I've been doing for the last five years. And so I'm sort of lucky in that if I had not been up to these personal branding activities for the last five years, I would have had to start them. Yeah. <laughs> And well, so on one view, I've got a five-year lead-in that sort of gives me a nice basic kind of skill set and a nice basic kind of entry point to say, well, at least I'm somewhere online. At least I'm somewhere in relation to the building of networks and the making of referral connections. And so I've got a launch pad of some kind to get this firm rolling. And it is solely that launch pad that has got all the work going in. And if I can just linger one moment, Mike, to be boring values wise and the way I think of it, I sort of think of Graverman as like an anti SEO firm. So our website is deliberately oblique. Like you can't find my contact details on there. It's not easy for you to send an email to hello at graverman.com.au or like send us your completed form or whatever. No, I'm not interested in any sort of accidental or SEO style work. It's very much a referral practice. And I only really work for people who are already keen to work with me. Yeah. Whether that's because a friend of theirs or a, or a colleague has said, look, James is competent in this area, or whether it's because they're otherwise attracted to the way I show up either in person or online. Yeah. Well, they align with your brand, right? Which mm -hmm. is actually how you attract the kind of clients that you want and how you go and do that, whether that's, you know, through your message, through how you look and feel what you inject into the market, all of those things are about alignment. And so that other person can feel a sense of trust, right? Yep. And that's, you know, that's so vital. I'm interested, I guess, in what you plan to do moving forward because, yep. you know, you've invested a lot of time and effort and also, I guess we'll get to it, but what you see as working now, mate, because yep. most of the time, People say, oh, that's well and good. James has done this, but what does it mean from the bottom line? So, yep. yeah. So the immediate plan is, look, there's a, there was a number per month that I had in mind straight away that, that you've referred to earlier that was sort of like, okay, I just need this thing to look like it might make 10 grand a month. And I sort of had in mind 10 grand a month, 120 grand a year. That's enough for a part-time salary for someone who's just kind of figuring out what this is all about. Happily, look, as you alluded to before, that's, that's, that's sort of fine now. That's that, that, that was probably tucked away in the first sort of 10, 10 or 12 days of trading, which, which was really nice. And so it's sort of given some scope to be able to say, well, okay, if this thing can be more than sort of generous pocket money for someone who does the school run and makes a few social media posts. What is it going to be? And the answer to that question is, I don't know, but I think the two, the, like the fork in the road is one of two things. One fork is 
this that Graverman is just a business name for James Dapache in the marketplace doing some corporate dispute stuff. And from time to time, there might be some less experienced people that become involved potentially as contractors or consultants or junior lawyers who might sort of come and go, but essentially it's the James Dapache. It's just some other business name that, that, that James is using. And that's entirely possible. Um, I think the alternate version of the future is that the thing develops into a sort of, well, it's a firm now, but, but in, in, into a firm in the more traditional sense, if I can put it that way, where I might seek the help of a junior person in 12 to 18 months. And then in 36 months, that junior person might become a little bit more experienced. So there might be space for another junior person. And then there might be conversations with a more senior person who's looking to that, 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 that. And then the thing becomes something with a number of lawyers and fee earners working for it. I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself on either one man band consultancy versus rocket ship startup law firm take over the world at the moment. I'm just trying to see, I'm just trying to figure out what it is. And so then if I can answer the second part of your question as to practically, what are we looking at? Well, the, the sources of income for Graverman overwhelmingly at the moment, just James doing work for clients at a certain rate, sending out an invoice, getting that rate paid. There are small revenue streams that are revenue trickles, revenue drops just at, just at the moment that, that we're sort of going to look at how that looks in future, whether we pursue them or not. One of those revenue trickles is giving kind of CLEs, those like legal trainings to other lawyers and professional firms and coming in and saying, look, I'm not a social media expert or a branding expert, but I'm a person who's a reasonably serious professional who uses social media to bring in, you know, moderately high level, moderately complex work. And so if you're someone who doesn't want to hear from the social media consultant about social media and rather hear from the experienced lawyer about it, then I'll charge you a, you know, some sort of fee for me to come in and talk to you about that or in the alternative, charge you a fee to do coaching or something like that. So that's one thing that a couple of people have taken me up on and, you know, trying to find out the right amount to charge for that. And, you, you know, Mike, you know, capitalism better than I do. I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out over here that people are either definitely surprised. definitely talk to you about that, mate. <laughs> yeah. So, so look off air, if you're happy to tell me some yeah. numbers, that's fine. But, and then the other element is, is sort of a more technical training sort of perspective where I'm looking to give further trainings. One of them is with a really exciting organization called Law Assist with Michelle Snape and Emma Houston. And that potential revenue trickle is essentially me recording CLEs, recording these talks that are actually given before on YouTube and that sort of thing for free, but sort of offering access to that one hour talk and a fairly rigorous sort of 17, 20 page paper for some fixed fee. I take a cut, Michelle and Emma take a cut, and hopefully the lawyer who's paying that fee is quite happy on their end of the deal as well, because they're getting training from someone who operates in the area. They're getting it at 1am while they're getting the child off to bed, or they get it at quarter past seven in the morning while they're on the train or, or, or whatever's convenient to them. And they're hopefully happy to pay that fee. And so there's a revenue trickle there. And so the immediate plans are do legal work and charge for it, add on a bit of social media for professionals, the kind of training, add on a bit of pre-recorded online presentations. Uh, and then one of the other things we've been thinking about 
is getting accredited as a mediator, which sort of seems something that a lot of people do and think about and, and do well. Claire Stiles has done it. And I've actually spoken with Claire about it. Claire, Claire previous Beyond Billable's yeah. guest, wonderful practitioner. And it's something I've had in mind because I think I'd be able to hold myself out as a bit of a specialist to be able to say, hey, look, you know, a lot of great mediators, they'll do a great job of your family provision claim. A lot of great media, mediators, they'll do a great job of your wills dispute or debt dispute or mortgage dispute or farm mediation act, farm mediation debt act dispute or whatever. I've got a bit of knowledge about how shareholder disputes work. Yeah. And if you want to have a mediator who has that sort of specialty, then I'm someone you might want to think about. And so that's, that's kind of the next six months, 12 months, 18 months to-do list. Mike, and, and makes and, a lot of sense, yeah. right? And I think there's no rush to make, especially the first point, like where you're going. I think with most businesses, it's just once you've got continuity <laughs> and once you know you've got something and once you know you can deliver on it as well, the mm. next question is, what do I want to grow? Mm. And I think the best advice I have around that is you only want to grow something if you enjoy the process of growing something. Um, and if not, you can make really good money. You can just do the work and you can just be your own thing. And it's not worth the headache really. But in any business, if you want a business, you want to employ people, you want to grow something, you mm. have to like that. Like you have to like the process of that. And if, if you don't, it's okay too, because a lot of people don't like that, but a lot of people think they like the idea of having a big business. They like the idea of people mm -hmm. working for them, but really don't like that process. So that's just my take, man. I think uh, I'll very much end up on that end of the scale. But as I say, Mark, I'm, I'm trying to not make decisions now as to where the thing's going. I'm yeah. trying to sort of allow it to unfold as best I can. There's a degree of impatience that I wasn't expecting of like, oh yeah, come on, come on, come on. All right, that bit's done. Let's, let's go, let's go do the next bit. Well, you're um, having success, mate. And you, you're, you know, you're the kind of guy who likes to build on it and not rest <laughs> on your laurels. So I understand that. So it makes, it makes sense. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, rolling with it. As long mm. as the other bits that you started it for, you mm. can reflect on that. And yep. it means you can still go to touch footy. You can still co coach cricket. I, yep. Where I've felt in a hole a few different times professionally mm. is when I've just, you know, taken too much on in pursuit of this thing that yes. I get obsessed with. And then the other stuff falls away. And then all of a sudden, three months later, why am I unhappy? <laughs> you know, or why, yeah. why am I drinking, you know, more? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so that's, that's a, that's the funny thing, right. Of trying to, I mean, work-life balance became a, a, a useless term five or 10 years ago already, but, but I still think there's a real nub of truth in there, which is to say that one kind of doesn't exist without the other. If you're the sort of person who takes pleasure from work, like work is part of your life and, and you know, life is part of your work and all that sort of thing. But if you're not able to keep your cup full, like, like Mike, after this chat, I need to rush off to go to Pilates, you know? And so like, because my right hip needs some attention and, and that's something I'm trying to embrace to an extent to kind of say, um, the model where a professional just locks themselves in the darkest room they can find with the fastest screen they can find for upwards of 55, 60 hours a week. 
and hopefully still has a marriage and a family when they emerge from, from that. I think that models, it's certainly one that can work, but not for me and not at this time of my life. Yeah. And Mate, so. Do you put sunscreen on when you go outside? I do. I do. Yeah. Right. So uh, increasingly on Pilates, the top of my head. So same. <laughs> Pilates is part of, it's just like putting sunscreen on, man. Like, and we, you know, the prioritization of some things over others is something that culturally we've done to ourselves and we're just part of that system. And then we learn around it and then we, but actually that Pilates class is putting the sunscreen on and yeah. Well, it's the can't pour from an empty cup thing of yeah. like, I mean, the challenge is, you know, it's a very pleasant sort of 10 a.m., 10.30 a.m. here in New South Wales on the Central Coast when we're chatting. I was also up till about 1.30 last night, you know, drinking coffee after 11 p.m. because there's some pretty serious work coming up. So I'm not sitting here saying I'm burning incense, I'm drinking green tea and I've solved the <laughs> whole know. thing. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I don't pretend to either, mate. Like, yeah. you know, you fit things in around it though. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's this concept of my... It's not an eight till six job yeah, or running right. a business or, mm. and it can be, but I actually like, I go, you know, I do the touch footy, the swimming thing mm. as well. I do jujitsu on a Thursday afternoon with Toby, like, but that just means we find other times to do things, but it's my business and it's my choice. Yes. And, and that, that control point. Yes. You're so element right. of choice, right? Mm. Whatever we're doing. If you take ownership of that choice of doing mm. it, having that coffee at 11 and getting that work done, because like it makes you feel better for the rest mm. of the week that you got that work done yep. and you're a better dad. You can do your stuff today. Who mm. cares? Like, honestly, sometimes you do it when you need to do it, right? Yes. <laughs> well, it, it's that generosity with yourself point as well that I think, uh, I mean, I sort of throw this line away that that if you're going to have success in a medium-sized to large law firm into your early 40s, you either have an anxiety disorder or you're a sociopath, right? They're your two choices. You either care a lot about what people think and you're desperate to make sure as many people think you're nice and good and effective as you can or fuck them, they're all pawns and we're just going to use them and squeeze as much as we can. <laughs> you. You and I are probably closer to the former than the latter. <laughs> yeah. Mike's only speaking for me. And so there's that element of freedom in saying the obligations I owe and, and at the moment, the sole obligations I owe to my family, to the court, to the clients and to myself. Yeah. And when you are able to kind of narrow your world down into those fairly specific kind of areas, there's a freedom and a latitude that comes from yes maybe tonight it's a coffee you know it's a put the put the coffee machine on at 11 p.m kind of night and maybe tomorrow it's a hey cricket training went well let's just head straight home and grab a zuba and i'll check my emails again at 10 a.m tomorrow morning and we'll just see how we go yeah so it's that latitude freedom and control that if we wind back to your earlier point about you know what would i say to new people thinking about it I'd say that it's a lot scarier than being in it with other people if you're someone moving out of a firm. But in addition to that, or, or to, to balance that out, there's real joy in that control. You might 
become the firm where you, you know every day you're wearing a different pair of very expensive shoes and your whole dick is the expensive shoes firm you know great or you might just be joining the local Dungeons and dragons community and playing a whole lot of dnd and that's your client base you're just serving them you've got that real freedom and control to go and do that without having to go and report about it to someone or or you know i've never worked in a firm where there's been a sort of big, ugly culture of reporting and what are you doing today and what did you do yesterday? But you nonetheless feel that obligation to your partners and, and to your team to say, oh, hey, yes, I was at Dungeons and Dragons last night. The reason I was was because I was trying to, you know, you almost feel that compulsion to go and report. And what's really empowering about sort of getting in the driver's seat of your own firm is to say, yeah, well, <laughs> there's no one to report this to, no one to explain this to. I've made my own decision as to where I'm going to drive this. And it kind of, yeah. uh, Mike, sorry to, to just drive a steamroller on, but as with our previous chats, anytime I get the chance to sit opposite you, I just ramble and I'm sorry. Um, there's also space to say, well, if I'm denoting, donating my time to like a, a local community legal center or something like that, then I don't need to go and sort of send an email to notify everyone and that I won't be contactable on Friday mornings, every third yeah. Friday of the month or or to kind of explain how it fits into, we might have one practice area that acts for a lot of such and such certain type of clients who might be, you know, a lot of landlords or somebody who might be unhappy to hear about partner A working in a community legal center, blah, 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 blah. There's that freedom to go about your work consistent with your values in a way that speaks to you. And that's, that's the real sales pitch of Graverman. You know, we talked about the legal expertise, but, but, but frankly, that's the sales pitch as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, mate, that's great. I look, I'm hard enough on myself, let alone having other people. <laughs> so I know the I, feeling. I, I totally relax. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, so look, conscious of time and Pilates mm. coming up. I did want to talk about social and yeah. your content. I guess a little bit more in the granular. Mm. 2024, like where are you seeing, if, if you were starting out today, yep. Yep. what would you be doing? Say, would you be doing video? Would you have a podcast? You've done a lot of different things, right? Mm. What would you be doing and what platforms do you like to do them on? Yep. I don't like TikTok at all anymore. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if I've aged out and I'm just too old or, or if it's aged out and there are just too many millennials and Gen Xs on there, like ruining it, or if the algorithm hates me or something, I just take no real joy or value from it at the moment and haven't for about six or 12 months. But I think anyone starting out today should have a TikTok presence and they should have at least three to six to nine TikToks sitting there, even if they're aging quite significantly. And they should be like, hey, what are our practice areas? And, uh, hey, here's Julie. Julie's a partner of our commercial transaction team. Hey, here's John. John's a credited specialist criminal law. Hey, here's Alistair. Alistair's good at, you know, that, 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 that. And so TikTok almost becomes something you sort of have to do much the way Instagram was 2018, 19 of kind of, you just got to go there. You just got to get your username. You just got to squat on it. You've just got to say, look, here's, here's our presence. We exist. We get it. I think Instagram, um, is probably one of the platforms I'm enjoying the most at the moment. And it's the one with the most kind of vibrance. And to me, it's for the kind of stories type aspect of the way you're able to interact. And so I think for any new venture, if we take the example of Graverman, so that TikTok account, I would draw that. So the Graverman TikTok account though is, has got nine or 
10 or 12 TikToks on it. I opened that in November, shortly after I opened the firm. And, you know, initially it's a, it's a fantastic TikTok with Mel, the in-house lawyer, who I'm like being like, hey, Mel, I'm starting a law firm today. Eep. And you know, Mel's so fantastic to deal with, as you know, and, and, and you know, anyone listening to this will know Mel, of course. And so that's like this glorious TikTok. And then from there, the rest of them are like, hey, what is a derivative action? Well, it's crazy. <laughs> Section yeah. 236 of the Corporations Act is this. And I'm not super excited to go back there and visit it too often unless people have questions. Yeah. Right? So it becomes a nice Q&A sort of source to create content. So TikTok's sort of an eat your vegetables type necessity. Yeah, eat your vegetables, go for a run, drink, drink six glasses of water or whatever sort of place if, if someone's starting it today. Um, I see Facebook as not really necessary at all. I see X or Twitter as not really necessary at all. I see Instagram as pretty much the place to do business online in an approachable kind of a way. And whether that is using highly curated Instagram posts that mean you've got a very beautiful uniform looking wall and nice clear contact details up front where essentially it's a website homepage. You yeah. know, it just looks it just looks really nice. And from time to time you'll have a story that says, please read the latest blog post from our firm about this point. So even if it's a fairly vanilla, boring quote quote type Instagram page i think that's where you want to be and then linkedin is where you want to be i think as a firm for really basic vanilla due diligence reasons you just want to exist there and you just want to have more than 50 people following your firm there just to kind of say yeah it's a real firm it exists it has a few employees you know, a few people work here that sort of thing but i think the real sharp point of how I'd encourage firms to be thinking about using socials in future is empowering both owners. So, you know, partners or, or shareholding lawyers, very senior lawyers, as well as sort of senior juniors, your kind of associates and special counsel and whatever else, as well as your entry level grads and whoever else to be active on LinkedIn. And it doesn't mean having to be active on LinkedIn to say, Hey, guess what? I'm a grad and I've done one week in the commercial real estate team. And here's how it all works. It can merely be saying I'm a grad. I'm working with John and Julie. And one of the things John and Julie said was when you're thinking about commercial real estate, you've always got to do this. And it really gave me pause for thought anyway, many thanks. And so if you're a firm incentivizing your people to go out and use their own voice to talk about the exciting things the firm's doing, I think is a real opportunity. I think it's cheap. I think it's for so long as you're not employing idiots and for so long as your culture is not poisonous, um, it's going to be pretty consistent with the excellent culture you've built and um, with the lovely people you've chosen to employ. And so to me, that's a real uh, opportunity for firms to go and look at and pursue. So you have to do Instagram. I'm sorry. Probably have to do TikTok. I'm sorry. And I think the opportunities lie with LinkedIn and TikTok, Facebook, X and Twitter. I don't have a lot to say about, you know, I'm on there these days. And then podcasts and YouTube. I think podcasts for a firm that is not a reasonably large firm is difficult because to have fairly regular content popping on your YouTube channel or podcast channel is hard. Mike, you know this well, I know this well. And so I find that I need to say, and if I haven't already said it, I'll say, hey, Mike, can I have the audio from this chat please so i can put it on my feed as well so you're always looking for things to put on your feed and so <clears throat> if i was to follow the podcast of new firm law podcasts 
you, you know, that the, the new firm that opened yesterday started, there'd be an element of, well, like who particularly cares about yeah. that? Why would I subscribe to that? And so until you can answer who cares or until you're confident you've got something you're interested in saying, I think the podcast and YouTube question can be kicked down the road a little yeah. bit. No, no. Do you have a view on that, that, Mike? Yeah, no, I think you, it's great advice. I think personalization is mm. super important. It's getting more important as well. And with that hi-fi and lo-fi content, right? Mm. So you need to show up in the, in the right way on the right platforms, but it can be different. So Instagram, perfect example, your, your, you know, your feed may look very polished, but your stories will tell your story and will be much more lo-fi. Over on TikTok, hi-fi barely works. It's lo-fi. It's, you know, getting in people's face. It, mm. It's being memorable because you've got like one or two seconds yep. or you get flicked, flicked by. And the LinkedIn thing's interesting. I've, you know, fun enough, like, I think I've got 8,000 or 9,000 odd kind of followers or connections or whatever, but LinkedIn mm. has for me been about the industry, yep. connecting and talking about industry things, not a, like it hasn't been like a sales and marketing actual platform for us in terms of, I think people are there either yep. to sell you something, not to buy something or mm. to get a job or yep. to build some kind of presence and where people are on Instagram because they want to look at good things. They want to connect to good people. They want mm. to be inspired. They want to learn something. And so if that's what your business can be, if you want, you know, if you can be that, if you want to teach, if you want to give value, that's a great place to be because people are turning up there. It's just doing it in the right kind of ways. TikTok, I wish, uh, you know, and I remember you telling me probably about four or five years ago, Mike, why are you doing more, more video? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, James. I'll, 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 I'm yeah, yeah, I'll get to but, it. And I, like, I literally, I've done bits and pieces. I've done a fair bit of bits and pieces, but I think mm. it's a consistency thing. Most oh, times. Can I, yeah. can, I, can, I, can I spin that around, Mike? And I'm, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt because I don't want to mislead people about TikTok. I, like when we last spoke about three and a half years ago, I had 28,000 followers on TikTok. I currently have 28,000 followers on TikTok. So it, it was very much a land grab. So a lot of the numbers you'll see, and if you take the example of mine, are sort of, I won't say like artificial is not the right word of like, these are people who followed me who continue to follow me and that's, and that's fine. But that doesn't translate to some monstrous set of views. Like I'll get 500 views or a thousand views on every new TikTok and I'll, I'll be posting regular-ish. And because I probably find TikTok now boring, there's an element where that's no doubt not quite transparent, but it means that I'm not thinking as deeply as I could be about what happened. So I don't want to get, get too deep into co-signing a view that says TikTok organic reach. You yeah. might get a million, million views on just one TikTok. It's, it's hard and sort of boring. And so I'd sort of, yeah. Well, the natural evolution, right, on TikTok, yeah. it's happened with exactly. every other platform. It's happening there. Yeah, it's, full. it's it's almost a pay, you know, pay yep. to view or pay to grab pay more to attention. And it's getting that point. Yes, if you're a certain very specific kind of thing or you've got the right kind of niche, you may go viral. But compared to three or four years ago, absolutely not. You need yep. to think about, oh, if I'm going to invest X amount in it, do I have a ads budget? to get more attention. And that's very similar on most kind of platforms. Now that just goes, goes with it. 
if you've already I find got LinkedIn, it. I do, I do push back on LinkedIn though. Like, like to, to, to me, I feel the magic's still there. And it's because of that network point you made before of I'll get served relevant stuff still on LinkedIn. I won't get dross like you would on X and Twitter or yeah. TikTok. I'll be served like, like LinkedIn knows what, you know, barristers I like and what, you know, New South Wales wills and estates practitioners I want to see when they're sending an update about a case or they're making a comment about something. Yeah. And I feel that's where part of that magic lies that you might get two likes, you know, two pieces of engagement on something, but that matters almost nothing if it's the right kind of engagement or not even engagement, if it's the right eyeball that glances past it that says, oh yeah, there's Mike again. He's talking about that important stuff. Yeah. And it's that drip, drip, drip that I think there's that real chance still on LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on LinkedIn, Mike. I know it's boring and, but I'm, well, I'm there. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I th mm. And my approach similar to yours is you, you know, I want people to say, I see Mike everywhere, frankly. Mm. I, and, and I want to take the opportunities I can for people to see me everywhere. As long as I'm turning up in the right way, that's yes. going to be a net, net good thing. And I think if you aspire to grow something, you want to take advantage of the opportunity to do that because you are front of mind. LinkedIn is very good for that. And apparently on the ad side, that's changing. I don't, I don't do advertising anyway. So yeah, but yeah. apparently that side of things with LinkedIn is changing as well. And, and there's certainly a clear focus there. So I think your overall advice though, mate, is very wise in that you need to be on platforms, even if it's just, okay, this is us putting our best foot forward and it's not, you know, a, a huge investment. What you do really well though, as well as you engage. And that's the bit where I see a lot of law firms and professional yes. service firms fall down. It's, yes. it's, it's not a dumping ground per se. There might be platforms where you can get away with that. Okay. And I'm not saying you, you can't because you, mm. you can, as long as it's not taking a lot of extra work, but in the places where you can engage, like LinkedIn, where it's so valuable to engage, yes. Instagram, where it's so valuable to engage, anywhere where you can really build community around it. My view is that engagement is as powerful as the content most Absolutely. of the time. Absolutely. And if, if you're worried about the content, just start bloody engaging. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, 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 and often that Q and A type stuff can, can give you a cue towards the content of like, hey, I'm getting asked a lot of questions about this. And then potentially your next little run of content can sort of fall from the sort of frequently asked questions <clears throat> or the types of comments you're finding yourself getting. So it can be quite empowering to understand how you're being received and, and how people are reacting to what you're, you know, how, how people are picking up what you're putting down in the marketplace. Yeah. And then what they're also saying is we're interested in this particular issue that falls from what you've said. And so it's a nice little set of breadcrumbs, that engagement for you to kind of get an understanding of where you might be going next. Yeah. Mate, conscience time. I want you to get to your class. So what does 2024 look like? I mean, yeah. how, how are you positive are you about 2024? Yeah. Look, there's, there's sort of family stuff that's in the foreground for me that I'll kind of not, not comment directly on, but for so long as that goes well, it's going to be a successful year. Work-wise, I've got like three moderate holidays planned that are sort of trying to set out. So going to England for a few weeks in October, going to Fiji for a week in July, going to Hunter Valley for a week in March, April, and sort of trying to do, do, do life, right? So, so doing, doing life is a work priority. 
additional work priorities are the kind of, you know, apart from family stuff, other sort of numbers in the boards, money in the till type, type, type things. I'm sort of being advised to sort of recalibrate what my initial thoughts were on that to kind of uh, aim up to speak bluntly. So there'll be a bit of, look, I've, I've, you know, I've got meetings with accountants and all that sort of thing to talk about those things, but really it's kind of more of the same. Um, I want to just keep plodding along with doing some work for clients I'm interested in working for. And I want to, while doing that 80% of the time, have that sort of moonshot helping out with law assist. I'm looking forward to more of this online education. I'm looking forward to thinking more about this sort of social media training sort of offering that look, I, I'm not sure if it's really there. It might be, it might not be, but you know, a few people have been interested and, and, and we've gone through a few sessions that have seemed to have gone well. And apart from that, oh, merch, Mike, that's the one other thing, right? So I'm sorry to end so lightheartedly, like with such an important question, right? To make a decision about merch and Mike, just to be really boring and to take advantage of your expertise, it's one of two things, or it's both of these things. Thing, thing one, which I think will be fairly cheap, will be like, they call them skate skateboarder socks, like skate length, like just before the commencement of your calf. So like above the ankle. Just like white athletic socks, yes. just with the capital G gravamen, or perhaps the full word gravamen on it. Like it looks like they can do a fairly good result of that. Or, or and or reasonably expensive, reasonably high quality, pretty rugged cotton jerseys that are either going to be white with a black collar black cuffs or black with a white collar white cuffs with just the little G in the corner. And it might have to have the branding of the jersey manufacturer. I just want you doing the gardening in seven years with the frayed old. Graverman jersey, kind of. That's mate. I that's love sort the of jersey. I love the yeah. jersey. Do you follow? Is it bloke beer? Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, maybe I do. I'm aware of the brand. Yeah. Oh, uh, the uh, former Brisbane Bronco. Is it Den and Camp? Which, which, which? Oh, that's it. No, we've got to, we've got to do this now. Which, which former and, Brisbane Bronco? Oh, they've got, they've got their own jerseys. I think it's called bloke or, or something. Anyway, nice. I love the old school jersey idea, mate. I don't know about the socks. Maybe my my ten year old. <laughs> I just bought, when I bought him Air, new Air Forces, he needed some socks like that. So, well, <laughs> who's doing his legals? Mike, who's doing his legals? So I'll have to send him some socks. <laughs> Mate, thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate you and everything that you, you do. And and I know we usually talk about, you know, some heavier things in life and, and mm. in, in law. We can do that again later in the yes. year, I reckon. But yeah, fabulous to see you and thank you for coming on the show again. My pleasure is mine. Look, I'm happy to throw out some competition to other guests of like, yep, yeah, come and come and chase me. That's three appearances with <laughs> apparently number four coming up later I'm, in the year. I'm, but I want to get Mel on in a couple of weeks for yes. her third. So. <laughs> okay. And so then it's a race. Gosh, the Queensland connection coming, going to the for you guys. Mike, a delight to chat. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to chatting again later in the year. Thanks, mate.